What's Wild, Earthlings? I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kayla, and this is Weekly Wild. Yeah, um, I think every week we're just going to upload an episode and talk about, um, so sort of the the guidelines of this, this podcast are we talk about three sto- stories or articles um, that we found that are interesting that are wildlife related. And we're looking for just stuff that maybe you didn't know before. Maybe, I mean, we're, we're really looking for current stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that came out within the last, I think, at most Maybe month or month two. Month or two, yeah. And um, stuff that's just interesting to us, too. Right, yeah. And I think it would be interesting to most people. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool stuff. But yeah, so we're going to go through three stories and just kind of introduce three cool topics and we're going to talk about it. And mm-hmm. so part of this also is um, each week we are going to do, each of us are going to take, you know, two or one uh, stories and we're not going to know what they are. So right now, Kelsey, I have two and Kelsey doesn't know what they are. And Kelsey has one, and I don't know which, which one right. she has. So it'll be really interesting, because we'll have to kind of explain it. And, I, you know, I have articles up and everything, right. so. And I guess this is also to help break down science news, um, sort of disseminate it so that anybody can listen and understand what's going on. Right. Yeah, so I'm really Should excited. We introduce ourselves a little bit? Yeah. Since we actually totally never did Yeah, because we never, yeah, okay. Okay, well, um, I'm Kelsey, and Kayla is my sister. Um, we both are seniors studying animal ecology at Iowa State University. Uh, we both have been passionate about animals our whole lives, and we want to pursue um, careers in the field of wildlife research. So, do you have anything to add to that? Um, no, that pretty much sums up for me too. <laughs> Our situation is so Very similar. similar. <laughs> it's basically the exact, like the exact same. Um, yeah. So that's us. That's, that's us. That's what we want to do. So, do we want to get on into the research? Yeah. All right. I guess you can go first. What's wild? Oxpeckers help rhinos avoid humans. Ooh, this will be yes. interesting. Yes, oxpeckers. <laughs> Let's hear it. So if you've ever seen a picture of a rhino with a bird on its back, uh, chances are almost 100% it was an oxpecker. And you've witnessed a classic example of a mutualistic relationship between two completely different species. Uh, the oxpecker gets to snack on ticks and parasites that hang out on the rhino's skin. And the rhino gets free pest control. So, yeah, the study from the prof- from a professor out at Victoria University suggests that there's way more to this relationship than we initially thought. So it's not just pest control. It's not just uh, snacking on ticks and parasites. Huh. So oxpeckers are super vigilant. Um, they're able to detect humans before the rhino can, subsequently issuing an alarm call upon detection. What this study ended up finding is that rhinos are actually able to recognize this alarm call and react to the detection. Oh my god, that's really cool. Yeah, so as researchers, they would, so the researchers would approach the rhino, and the oxpecker would call, and the rhino would immediately become vigilant. So the rhinos without oxpeckers were virtually unaware of the researchers approaching or their presence or anything. (laughs) Um, And those with oxpeckers more than doubled the distance at which a rhino could detect a researcher. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) Due to this, it was kind of difficult for them to detect rhinos <laughs> with oxpeckers, and they estimated that over 40% of rhino encounters were undetected due to the help of the oxpeckers. Oh, that is so cool. So it's cool, but it's like, it's also like hindering them a lot. But it's not hindering the rhinos. And I know, I know, important. and that's, I know, and this is probably one of the coolest finds in terms of like conservation. Yeah. Um, so... This is amazing, obviously, Um, but something else that they noticed in the study was that rhino behavior after human detection, uh, so like 95% of the rhino who reacted to human detection events 
were witnessed searching for the threat downwind and never actually at the researchers. Hmm. So this basically suggests that the rhinos can't gather the information, any information from the call itself. They just know it's an alarm call. Oh. Um, but they can't, they can't gather, like, information about where the humans are or where, you know, where to be looking for. But they assume that they're being stalked from downwind. Hmm. So that's interesting that they have this assumption <laughs> that they're... I just thought that one in itself <laughs> was cool. Really cool. Like, what? It just... I, it blows my mind. Okay. Um. So this study, I mean, that was obviously just a very summarized version of it, but it was really, really interesting. And it evokes a ton of questions. Like, mm-hmm. it... I mean, some of these... Most of these were mentioned in the paper. But the one I found the most interesting that was mentioned in the paper um, is whether or not these alarm calls are specifically directed towards the rhino or are the rhino eavesdropping. Oh, yeah, that's interesting because it's like we don't know if... Because obviously they're benefiting by being on the rhino. So are they directing right. it towards the rhino to help them get away in turn? Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, so basically what they're saying that the rhino could be eavesdropping on a call that was meant to alert other oxpeckers. So, like, the oxpeckers um, are on the rhino. They're, like, kind of all over. Right. And if the oxpecker sees a threat, they call out to the other ones saying, like, okay, hey, you guys need to get on this the top of the rhino back because he's about to move because there's something approaching. Mm. Is basically what I gathered from this as to why whether it could be, you know, uh, eavesdropping or not. So, basically, it's saying that um, it could also be intentional. The thought of it being intentional is really cool to me because... Yeah, and they, they said it could, so it could have developed under hunter and post selection. So the birds are trying to preserve their food source from hunters. Their food source is on the rhino. rhino. Yeah, right. So that's bonkers for me. So and (laughs) so cool. This is the cutest thing is at the end they talked about um, what the oxpeckers. The native name for oxpecker is okay. I'm gonna butcher this, but it's Askari Wakifaru, and it means the rhino's guard. Oh, so now they're like, there's merit. So sweet. There's merit to this. (laughs) That's. I really like that. <laughs> I like the idea of that, like, mutualistic behavior that they have. Oh, mutualistic behavior, especially interspecies and even, like, it's bird versus mammal. It's, like, one like, of the most interesting things to me. It's so cool. It's so cool. Like, what? I don't even know. I mean, it's just, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Clearly. That these, we're able to work together. These animals species. are benefiting and, you know, subsequently uh, sort of adapting to one another. Right. So I think that that's really interesting. <laughs> and so the primary author on this study was Roan Plotz, and I apologize if that's not how you say your name. Um, but this was an amazing paper, and it was really... <laughs> it really it cool. was It was a cool find, for sure. And there's a lot of really interesting conservation implications to this. Firstly, obviously, it could literally save a species... Mm-hmm to understand this dynamic relationship between an oxpecker. Because what happened was, from what I was reading in here, was that the oxpeckers also kind of went extinct in this, not went extinct, but they were threatened in this whole, like, debacle of, like, habitat and rhinos were right. were being, you know, hunted mm. to near extinction. And so what they're saying now is that if you reintroduce oxpeckers into the habitat with rhinos, that this could drastically decrease hunting. Because <laughs> wow. they will know, they'll know when they're coming, yeah. basically. And yeah, so that's that's crazy. Um, I that honestly like gave me chills when I was yeah, reading that's it. Yeah, that's a really, I'm like, really, is, really good. It's so funny because we're doing all of this stuff to help prevent 
the extinction of a species when and it seems like they just have doing it their themselves. own well they yeah. have their own guard yeah they already have protection. that <laughs> that's so, so sweet <laughs> oh i love that that was a really good article i know i love that one all right kelsey what do you got for us what's wild how Sumatran tigers and their conservation affect the presence and behavior of other predators in a protected area. Yeah, so the actual publication is titled Terrestrial Mammal Community Richness and Temporal Overlap Between Tigers and Other Carnivores in Bukit Barisan Selaton National Park, Sumatra. That was, yeah, that was long. <laughs> That's why I went with the other. That was a nice summarized <laughs> version of that yeah. title. Anyways, yes. Okay, cool. So, uh, so tigers. Yes, yeah, so tigers in Sumatra. Sumatra. The lead researcher was Max Allen from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, and it was really just cool. published this year. So just to preface this, for those of you who don't know, Sumatra is located in the country of Indonesia, and the study takes place, like in the title, in Bukit Barisan. Selaton National Park, and if I butchered this, I'm sorry. <laughs> and this is a nearly 2,000-mile protected area, and it's home to some of the world's most interesting and elusive animals. Orangutans. Yeah, and also really endangered animals, like orangutans, the Sumatran tiger, the Sumatran rhino, the Sumatra elephant, oh, and the iconic sun bear. And oh. in all honesty, some of this wildlife I've only recently figured out were actually real animals. <laughs> because they seem so, like, fantasy to me, and I really did not know. I, I did not know that they were real. <laughs> so, like, particularly, okay, sun bears, no, actually, but sloth bears. Sloth bears are crazy. I, like, I'm not joking, I actually, for the longest time, didn't know that they were, I thought they were fake. Mm-hmm. Like, until I got into this major. Yeah. And I started yeah. learning. I was like, I, I thought that that was, like, a Star Wars animal or something. I was like, what? Anyways, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of animals that live it's in crazy. this national park in Indonesia. That I didn't know existed, and 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 I did know they existed, but I, I really thought, like, I don't know. <laughs> right, like, before we started this major, there's so many animals. Anyways, sorry. It, yeah, it, it's just crazy. So, anyway, the Sumatran tiger is a critically endangered carnivore and serves as a top-tier species for conservation efforts, since, you know, everybody loves tigers. Tiger king. Sorry, no, we're not doing it. We're not, we're not, we're not doing it. We don't need to talk about tiger king. We're not going to do it. <laughs> So, the study set out to see how tigers affect the activity and distribution of other animals in the park. Their strategy here was to deploy trail cameras throughout the park, um, specifically in areas of park with little human interference, and they did this over an eight-year period of time and recorded data on terrestrial mammal activity in relation to tiger activity, or in other words, the temporal overlap of tigers to the other animals. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it really is. So, over this period of time... They actually documented the presence of 39 mammals, and a bunch of these are really endangered and elusive animals. Uh, for instance, they, they documented the Sundra pangolin, the dole, and aka these are also called Asiatic wild dogs. Oh. They documented otter civets and a bunch of other animals. And one thing that the, the researchers found really interesting was that they documented a lot of presence of the Sumatran elephant which is a super critically endangered animal, and they just thought it was really weird that they kept seeing it, that they saw it more than any other animal, even more than the tigers, which are super conserved there. Right. So all this in itself is incredibly cool, but to answer their research question, they basically found that several carnivores are active at the same period of time as tigers, and they also figured out that tigers are diurnal, 
And in other words, diurnal kind of means that they're most active during the day. Yeah, so these animals that overlapped were mostly small carnivores, like marbled cats, the doles, like we were talking about, and Malayan sun bears. Essentially, researchers found that large carnivore presence was scarce during the day, and this is probably due to competition of shared resources between them and the tigers. So a primary example of this would be the clouded leopard, who are most active right now in this park in the early mornings and the late evening, even though they aren't really considered to be nocturnal. And this leads the research to sort of believe that they're specifically avoiding the tigers, knowing that they will attack them on sight because they're competitors. So, okay, that's really interesting. So they just basically found that, like, the larger predators will avoid tiger presence or avoid tiger hunting times. Yeah, yeah, so they're temporal, they won't go near each other in the same time. That's interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting, and to sort of opposite that, small corn... <laughs> small what, Kelsey? Small carnivores. Cornivores. <laughs> it's almost summer in Iowa. I'm thinking of the corn. Cornivores. <laughs> so small I love carnivores. carnivores. <laughs> small carnivores. What is like, a carnivore like? A literally it's a, a meat corn, eating it's corn. A corn eating animal. Carnivore. <laughs> Specifically, can that? only eat corn. <laughs> or it's a corn that eats animals. <laughs> it's like a species of corn. See, that one's a stretch. <laughs> I think that one's a stretch. Anyways. Anyways, small carnivores, they didn't seem really to worry much about the tigers since they prey on much smaller mammals, like rodents and things like that. And they don't really compete for resources in the same way. So they're seen at a lot of the same periods of day as tigers. But yeah, the researchers then concluded that some smaller carnivores might be adjusting their temporal activity to avoid tigers or other mesocarnivores. Mm-hmm. And mesocarnivores are just animals whose diet primarily consists of meat. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. This article is really interesting to me, primarily because I didn't know I love about... spatial ecology and, like, in general, just figure out when... Yeah. ...what animals it's really interesting. interact and when they interact with each other and the dynamic mm-hmm. between it. Because I'm really... Really, really, really into, like, intraspecific. intraspecific. Yeah, interactions, interactions just in general. Which intraspecific, for those listening, just means between species. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of our articles are kind of... Yeah, they're... So far. Yeah, I don't yeah, know what the third one's about, interactions. but... I'm... I just think that, to me, probably... <laughs> I probably gravitate towards those I articles. I gravitate towards intraspecific, like, mm-hmm. just questions in general, because yeah. I think they're really interesting. Especially, I found this one interesting, because these are animals that are crazy, endangered, and cool, and protected, and... Some stuff that's just, like, really interesting animals to me. Yeah, this article, it really makes me want to go do more research on these animals. And and one day, I really would love to visit Indonesia and this park. Sumatra, like, is one of my, oh yeah, my tops. I want to see orangutans, of course. I would love to see orangutans. I'd love to see these sun bears, tigers. It's just, I didn't know a lot of these animals coexisted. Yeah, and like these cool. leopards and these cool, just like cool cats, clouded and leopards, <laughs> cool oh my god. cats, yeah, <laughs> cool cat Jesus, no, oh my god, we're not. But there are a lot of cool cats and kittens hey, that interact with each other here. <laughs> there are cool cats and okay, sure. <laughs> anyway, that is the article. So, do we want to move on with the third article, Kayla? What's wild, Kelsey? It's the annual bands and vertebrae validated by bomb radiocarbon assays provide estimates of age and growth in whale sharks. <laughs> that sounds 
Okay. I'm ready for you to break it down. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. Let me preface this this breakdown by saying this is probably one of the coolest papers. And I'm not, like, super into... I love marine biology. I think it's super fascinating. I'm more of a terrestrial biology person. Um, marine biology is amazing. And let me just say that this is probably one of the coolest papers I have ever read. Or, like, one of just the coolest concepts I've ever heard. So, yeah, anyways, we'll get into it. Um, so, the whale shark... We all love the whale shark, the largest fish. Um, Whale shark has been notoriously hard to age. Uh, Really? Yeah. Yeah, they don't... So they know that they develop a new band of tissue on their vertebrae. um, Every year? Yeah. Well, they don't know. So it's similar to bands on a tree. You know, you see those bands on a tree and you can age the tree. So from here on out, though, it wasn't clear, or from here prior, it wasn't clear as to whether or not the new band developed every six months or every year. So they oh. weren't sure, like, exactly how old they were. Because, you know, and that's six months or a year. That's a big difference. That's a big, I mean, you could, you, you're you talking They're about double the age. Of, like, a 25-year-old whale shark versus a 50-year-old right. whale shark. Right. So it's like, that could make a huge difference. Anyways, so researchers decided to use a very specific marker to determine how often these bands occur. And this marker is none other than carbon-14 produced by above-ground testing of thermonuclear weapons in the 1950s and 60s. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Can you so, explain this? Okay, so so due to the frequency of these tests, of these thermonuclear weapons tests in the 50s and 60s due to the Cold War, um, carbon-14 in the atmosphere was integrated into the oceanic food webs. What? And thus passed down to the whale sharks. What? Yes. So, essentially, the study, what they did was they observed the vertebrae of two whale sharks. So they had two whale sharks that were determined to be alive during the 20th century. Uh, They were able to extract samples from the growth band and determine the radiocarbon values within the samples. Whoa! Using the (laughs) carbon-14 values known to be present in surface marine waters along with carbon-14 found in the vertebrae, researchers were able to determine that the bands represented annual growth. Oh my god, that's... What? So, a.k.a. a band a year, roughly. What? Yeah. So, they were able to determine a lot about the band representation as well, like, um... So, like, what... The, the first birthmark band was the most distinct, and the bands <laughs> narrowed as the shark oh aged. Oh my god! Yeah. That is so cool! I know. I love... How do they even think of that? I don't... First of all, I don't know. <laughs> Let me just <laughs> say that. I don't know. That no clue. so cool. Those bonkers. Um, so, the... I just, okay, first of all, I love involving anthropogenic, because this is what's funny about this. It's like, we as a human species, race, whatever, <laughs> we screwed up, right? Like, we we did this. We did like, a lot of some bad stuff. We did some bad stuff. <laughs> the carbon-14 is there. <laughs> but we, we were able to take this, like, super not mm-hmm. great thing and... <laughs> yeah, and turn it into something positive. And turn it into, like, okay, now we can... Conserve these animals better. So many years later, too. So many, yeah. That's bonkers. Anyways, so what's really cool about this study is um, it was able to open up like a key component to the life history of whale sharks. Right, so how did it mention what's the lifespan of a whale shark? They don't know. (laughs) Like, they were never able to figure this out. So basically, the adults that they tested were 35 to 50 years old. Oh. Or, yeah, I think so. Or 30, oh, no, 35 and 50 years old. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, and both measured about 10 meters in length. So here's the kicker, though. We know that whale sharks can grow much larger than that. Mm, so they, they just up to, small? like, 18 meters. No, they just think that 50 years is not very old for a whale shark. 
So is there a way they can... I guess there's not a way they can test this without the animal being already deceased, right? Right. I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah. I would assume. Wow. It's vertebrae. Um, they take uh, cross-sections of the vertebrae. Oh, ones, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. samples, then, not then. cross-sections. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't... Yeah, I, I would imagine that they would have to be dead, unfortunately. But, yeah. Um, because we know that they can grow much larger, it's believed that they can live significantly longer than... Wow. Uh, so not only was this study super innovative... But the implications for conservation are just insane. So whale sharks are incredibly endangered. And the fact that they're so long-lived just puts even greater pressure on conserving Mm -hmm. them. Um, So, because long-lived, you know, long-lived animals are notorious for maturing slowly. Which means that they can't bounce back as easily as other species. So if a crisis hit the population, I mean, it would hit, it would be much larger Mm -hmm. on the fish species. Like, it would just be, it would, yeah, they would take a hit for sure. Right, right. So the lead author was Joyce Ong. Ong? Um from the Department of Ecology, Evolution, and Natural Resources at Rutgers University. Hmm. Um, so, congrats well, to you. You put out a really amazing study that that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. That's what's wild this week. Yeah, it's, we talked about some really wild stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm. <laughs> Are we gonna? Do we want to rank our favorites? I would. Let's not rank them, but let's just choose. Choose which one? Yeah. Okay. Just choose one. Okay. First of all. All of the articles All of these are really were cool. awesome, and honestly, you couldn't go wrong. I'd have to say, though, that my favorite was the whale shark one. Yeah. Like, that was just too Mine, crazy. too. <laughs> I really loved the tiger one, just because that's the one that I did the research about, but that whale shark one, that is just Yeah, and of course, rhino, crazy oxpeckers and rhinos, like, you can't really go wrong with that either. But because of the just innovation that goes mm-hmm. into this and just the... I don't even know, just, like, the critical thinking that it would even take mm. to, ha- to have an idea like this. I just, yeah, the whale shark one takes it Yeah, for m- me. Me too. <laughs> me too. Beautiful. And they're all the completely other... different. It's hard to judge them up against each other. Yeah, but, but my personal favorite was the whale shark yeah. one. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, all three of them must have been somewhat our favorite since they made right, it. Right, right. The they episode. made it from all of the research that we did. Those are yeah. the ones that, that we made. That stood out. Weekly wild. Weekly wild. I'm going to write that theme song. <laughs> Um, no. Okay, so this is fun. I love this. Yeah, and we're gonna... This helps me read more articles. <laughs> it helps me understand, because a lot of understanding this research is just reading it. Yeah. Is yes. reading more articles and understanding the topics and whatnot. So, I think, eventually, I'd love to progress into, um, being able to do more content on this podcast, rather than just explaining, re- uh, you know, research and sort of talking about news, I would love to be able to talk to some of the researchers oh, that we yeah. mentioned. That would be um, really cool. On what, you know, just some basic, what, if they were to, you know, tell the public about, you know, some of the things that went into this research, mm-hmm. what would they want people to know? Because oftentimes, in a well, paper, you, you are, per, okay, fact. in a paper, you're trying to get out new research and you're trying yeah. to show like, hey, look, look what we found. But you're not really talking but about you're not your talking own about, and feelings well, towards it. Right, you're not talking about, like, this... Well, you are, but you're not talking about, like, I don't know, the the, the human aspect of it. That's like, what I'm saying. How like, did this feel? Yeah. What, what, are you, what was everything like? Like, how are you doing now? Like, stuff like that, which mm-hmm. I think... That's honestly, really important. I think it's just people, as important. Well, I think the public cares about that. Yeah. And I think people who, you know, might not necessarily be able to understand a, an article... They would love to hear from somebody who wrote it and, and just kind of talked to them. And one so, thing that I find really cool is 
like the behind the scenes of research. Like, yeah, I love to hear about what they did and how, what went into it, how long they were in the field, stuff like that. I don't know. I just find that just as interesting as the actual research itself. Right. Me too. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, what's wild? I guess some new stuff next mm-hmm. week, right? Yeah. I'm excited to look into more stuff. It's I am too. More, more research, more news. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Well, yeah, but yeah. we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.